Good morning, everyone. Where's a good spot? I guess here. Yeah, here. <laughs> to look out for a cow poop. Because I stepped on it the other day. Um, it's also been raining, so the grass is wet. Trying to find a spot that isn't too wet. Oh, the cows haven't been eating the grass. The grass is kind of long. So they want to sit on the path because dogs will come very soon. I can see the dogs out for their walks in the distance. But maybe here. Yeah. Okay. This is a good spot then. Hello everyone and welcome back to the Daily Bible Reading Show. Um, it's been a while. I haven't done this because... Uh, and maybe... You already know this, I've been having issues with my camera, specifically with my power cord, so I haven't been able to live stream. Uh, but that means I've been doing as many recordings as possible. The recordings take time <laughs> to edit them and I have to upload them and that kind of thing. So I just haven't been doing lots of live streams and also it's been a busy week uh, at work. Yeah, lots of excuses. Um, but yeah, today is Saturday, so I did want to to make an effort today to do the Bible reading show. So I'm up, up right now and we'll be looking together at another passage in the Bible this morning here in Cambridge live on whatever platform this is. So I'm, I'm on Instagram right now. I'll upload this to the other channels very soon. So hello and good morning again. Uh, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much uh, for your sustaining grace, for your new grace each morning that we truly need. <laughs> especially during times when we are tired and we are worn out. We need to be renewed in this sense that you fill us and it's your strength and not ours. So thank you, Lord, for the freshness of today. Even as I sit on this wet grass, I'm reminded that it is, you know, your spirit, your goodness, your grace that fills me with your word as I look at it today. So Lord, help us all together, whoever's looking at this, hearing this, to concentrate, to understand, and and to apply this word to our lives all for the glory of the lord jesus christ we pray this in his name amen amen so i do apologize for the traffic um yeah a lot of traffic for a saturday morning um yeah we're uh, let's look at oh wow we've missed quite a few readings so we are into one peter um, went past james uh, a couple of days ago, we are in 1 Peter chapter 2 this morning. So let's look at 1 Peter and chapter 2. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Now that you've tasted that the Lord is good. As you come to him, the living stone rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious to him. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen 
and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to him or to you who believe, this stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the capstone and a stone that causes men to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they are destined for. But, but, verse 9, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Verse 13, submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every authority instituted amongst men, whether to the king as the supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that you, that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish men. Live as free men, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as servants of God. Show pr proper respect to everyone. Love the brotherhood of believers. Fear God. Honor the king. Slaves, submit yourselves to your masters with all respect, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. For it is commendable if a man bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because he is conscious of God. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin, and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins on his, in his body on the tree, so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you've returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. And this is 1 Peter chapter 2. Yeah, um, it's, uh, I want to concentrate on the first half, but actually just the last bit which talks about Jesus you realize, you know, it's a whole section talking about how Christ suffered without, well, complaining. Do <laughs> you see 23? They hurled insults at him, he did not retaliate. He suffered, he made no threats. So it, it's him not 
retaliating, but verbally. You know, he did not retaliate and he did not make any threats, but he entrusted himself to God as the one who judges justly. So he thinks to you know, he, he's being insulted, he's being tortured, he's dying on the cross. And here it's called the tree. You know, he suffered on the tree, verse 24. He bore our sins in his body on the tree. And that's, um, I think, Deuteronomy uh, language, Deuteronomy language, sorry, talking about how the tree, you know, uh, if you hang someone on the tree, you know, um, not only is that a curse, but somehow that curse is transmitted onto the entire land, you know, because the tree connects the person's death to that tree, to the land, and contaminates the land. So it talks about the cross almost as, again, that, that lightning rod for God's curse that comes onto Jesus. But rather than contaminating the land, He takes the contamination, He takes the sin upon Himself. So He absorbs it rather than He spreads it. Um, but the reason why I mentioned this, you know, it's talking about Jesus and I said, yeah, that's great. You know, we concentrate on His suffering, you know, His silence before His suffering. But actually the context of this is talking to slaves. So verse 18, slaves, submit yourselves to your masters. And he talks to slaves and then he talks about Jesus. He talks about slaves who suffer, not just under, you know, generally you know, it's hard being a slave, but under unjust masters, really wicked bosses, masters who take advantage of them, maybe even beat them. He says, the way that you suffer as slaves, and he connects the dot, 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 is the way that Jesus suffered on the cross. And he didn't say this to anyone else in particular. I mean, there's a pattern to this for Christians in general, but particularly here, um, Christian slaves. And there's something very heartening about that. That, you know, here, if you imagine you're a slave and it's just so unfair, um, maybe you're being beaten by your boss and Justin. He's really, really wicked. And you feel as if, oh, I want to, I can't take this anymore. And Peter makes a connection to that kind of suffering to Jesus. You know, it, it's really, uh, he says, you know, uh, submit yourselves to your master's slaves, verse 18, not only to those who are good, not only to your good masters, and, or maybe even Christian masters, but especially, you know, when they're harsh to you. He actually uses that word, to those who are harsh. And I, I, I just feel as if, you know, as if there is a context that almost is mirroring Jesus' death on the cross that you can see in lives today. And in certain jobs today, in slavery today. And you know, it's right that we shouldn't have it, you know, we should try to get rid of it. But you know, if it is a Christian who's suffering this way, um, it's really hard to say this, but your suffering actually mirrors Christ in that sense. Because it's unjust, because you don't deserve it, and because it's just so much. But there's something to be encouraging that particular believer is going through that kind of ordeal that, you know, it's not fair, but God is using it to point others to Christ. It's hard, again, again, you know, um, hopefully, you know, no one suffers this way, but the truth is there are those who suffer like this in this way, and God is able to use this suffering in this way to point to Christ. But anyway, that's just in passing. I wanted to concentrate on the first half, which talks to... How do I put this? It talks to us as God's people, but also as God's chosen people. It talks to us. Actually, I just noticed I'm sitting next to <laughs> lots of cow poop. Yeah. 
<laughs> it talks a sorry distraction. Yeah, I'm in the field and there are lots of cows and they eat the grass and then stuff comes out of the cows. Now, okay, it talks to us as God's people who are chosen by God and built together. And there's a lot of temple language built together as God's temple. And he uses the recurring word here is the word stone. The word stone. So um, where is where is say. Um, uh, verse 7, Now to you who believe, this stone is precious. But to those who do not believe this stone, the builders rejected has become the capstone. So lots of stone, um, and stone language. And initially this stone refers to Jesus, but then it refers to us. So God says about Jesus, I lay a stone in Zion, chosen and precious. So Jesus is this almost like jewel. But this jewel that's used as the foundation block, foundation stone on which the whole building is then built. Actually, here in Cambridge, you can actually see uh, these cornerstones, these um, foundation stones in churches, in some of these old buildings here. You can see there is this initial first stone that's laid down, and that determines then the orientation, you know, of the entire building. It's in a you know, building. Imagine like a, a rectangle. And in one corner of the rectangle, they put that stone. And then the rest of the rectangle, the orientation of the stone determines how the rectangle is facing and how straight it is and where it's positioned even. So Jesus is this kind of precious stone because it's the first stone that determines the entire structure. And so it actually, so in other words, it starts with Jesus, but then it moves on to the church. It moves on to God's kingdom, moves on to us. But then he talks about how this stone is rejected. You know, verse 7, you come to this stone, it's precious to you, but then this stone is rejected, verse 7. And verse 8, this stone causes other men to stumble. It's a rock that causes them to fall. So it's a stone that, you know, falls in them. It's a stone of a kind of even judgment. So starting with Jesus again, a stone, but then building up to this, you know, structure. And it talks to us as living stones. So um, where is it? Um, verse 9. But you, so talking to us, you, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. So it's kind of a mixture. Talks to Christians and calls them a nation, calls them a holy priesthood, calls them a people belonging to God. And these three come together in uh, Exodus 19. Uh, this is a direct reference to the time when, you know, Exodus, uh, Moses rescued, well, God used Moses to rescue the people from Egypt and brings them to the mountain. And just before the mountain of God, Moses says to them, you are, uh, again, God uses Moses to say to them, you are a royal priesthood, you're a holy nation, uh, you are a people belonging to God. And it's saying that, you know, these people, uh, among other things, they've been chosen by God to be different from everyone else. No one else was chosen. You were. You were once, you know, scattered, but now you've been brought together to this mountain. Hence, you're a people. You're one nation. You're not many, many different peoples, many, many different tribes. You are, but you're gathered around God's um, presence in this mountain in Exodus chapter 19. But finally, also a holy priesthood. And here, therefore, they're meant to be a picture to all the other nations. You know, a priesthood is someone who stands between God and everyone else. 
And so you are standing before God to the entire world as this holy nation. And say verse 10 says, Once you were not a people, but now you're a people. Once you have not received mercy, but now you've received mercy. And it's applying all these rich, rich Old Testament descriptors of Israel, of the temple, of the priesthood to Christians today. And that's really wonderful. Uh, that, that you know, speaks so much to our identity, to our status before God, to our function, you know, as people, uh, as God today. But the way in which that happens is Jesus. And that's the thing I want to mention, you know, the way in which we're able to apply all these essentially Old Testament references. And so the next time you read Exodus 19, you're meant to apply it to us. Next time you read about, you know, the priesthood, the Levitical priesthood, they were reading that in Numbers these days, uh, apply that to us. But the way to apply it rightly is to go through Jesus, to understand how God fulfills what He wants for us through Jesus, through His sacrifice, through His priesthood, and especially through His rejection. You know, He is the stone, and we are stones, but He's the stones that rejected. He is the priest, and we are the priest, but He's the priest, high priest, who dies as the sacrifice on our behalf. And so that's the key, I think. And that's kind of like the picture for us uh, that Peter wants us to see as God's people today, you know, who are strangers in the world, who are suffering. We talked earlier about suffering even as slaves. But to see how God purposes that suffering, purposes that strangeness for us as His people through Jesus. He is the ultimate, you know, stranger uh, who is, you know, rejected by the world but accepted by God. He is the ultimate priest who himself is sacrificed and therefore brings us to God. He is the ultimate um, preciousness, you know, who is rejected, thrown away. But God says, hey, this is my precious, my chosen stone, and then through whom he builds the entire structure of his kingdom, and that's us. He redeems us, forgives us for our sins, takes our, sac our, our judgment upon himself, and makes us precious and holy, redeemed, and you know, priesthood uh, as a nation. Um, yeah, so that's 1 Peter chapter 2. Um, yeah, that's it. That's it. I'm, I'm going to pray. Yeah. Heavenly Father, thank you so much uh, that it's all through Jesus and that as we look to Him uh, through, in the times of our suffering, as we look to Him in the times when we are rejected and we feel so strange in this world, we see His acceptance, His preciousness, and His holiness before you. And so, Lord, help us to find that identity and that preciousness and that firmness, uh, just that security in Him and Him alone. Uh, and Lord, just in that context of slaves, you know, how Peter speaks to them specifically and says how their suffering mirrors Christ's. Lord, we pray for our brothers and sisters who are suffering unjustly and uh, just so intensely at this time that you would encourage them, that you would be with them, and that you would help them to see how their suffering points us to Christ. They are such an encouragement to us. Please help them to stay fast and to stand faithfully in Christ and not fall away. And for us as well, that we might be encouraged uh, by their witness and encouraged to look to Christ always, that we too might stand in His faithfulness. We thank you. We praise you. Thank you for today's reading. It's, it's, it's such a relevant one in today and especially for our times. Help us to 
see our identity as a church in Christ. Thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining me. Take care. Bye. I shouldn't be standing with a heart that's so heavy. I shouldn't be up with all the weight that I carry. Don't know if it's right, but I'm sticking with it.